Welcome into the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, your host, Dakota Ezra, is here. We have a uh, fair amount of a good show today. I apologize for taking a few days off. I am in the middle of a move right now and uh, haven't had enough time or as much time as I would want to get back on the old podcast train. But thankfully, I am back. We got a whole lot to, 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 to cover today. Uh, first off, I just want to say if this is your first time listening to the show, Please, if you like the show and like the content, please subscribe, leave me a rating, much appreciated. With that being said, let's drop right into Around the World like we always do to start off every single podcast. Broncos have sold to the Walmart hair of Rob Walton for the amount of $4.5 billion. That's a lot of cheddar, that's a lot of money, that's a lot of dinero, whatever you want to call it. So the Broncos are going to have a brand new owner. I don't know much about him besides for the fact that he is from, uh, he owns Walmart, excuse me, when it comes to that most expensive sale of any sports franchise currently on the Forbes list. So that's a very intriguing thing to see. I know they're very proud right now with Russell Wilson. I'm going to be covering the kind of what I hope to see with the Broncos coming up here in future podcasts. But today's podcast is going to be primarily a whole lot of Mariners right now. I will have a little bit of a side note at the end for Seahawks. So, uh, yeah, now that we've covered the Broncos, we're going to talk a little bit about the basketball with the Warriors that beat the Celtics behind Steph Curry's 32 points in 29 minutes. Good to see them come back. Nice, resilient game. Good showing. Uh, They finished by an 18-point lead. Series tied 1-1. I believe this game three is going to be probably one of the more pivotal games for the entire series because it's going to dictate the flow and direction of it. We could go seven. I hope I hope Boston pulls out the win. I want this to go a full seven-game series. I'm, I just want to see competitive basketball. I want to see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson is MIA right now, unfortunately. I don't have a clue as to where he is. But Jordan Poole has been getting it done. Andrew Wiggins has been pretty decent. Draymond's being dirty Draymond. Um, I can't stand Draymond Green. He's a dirty player. I've covered that in the previous podcast. But that's just my own personal opinion, obviously. Debo Samuel is going to attend mandatory uh, camp this upcoming week. Interesting, after he did require or request a trade from the San Francisco 49ers due to his use on the offense via Kyle Shanahan, since the Shanahan offense is obviously the, uh, is the scheme that they run out there in San Francisco. Kind of confusing as to why they're wanting to keep him. I understand that he is a vital part of the offense. They don't have a whole lot of offensive weapons besides for him when it comes to like George Kittle, uh, the running backs, Jeff Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell. Or Jeff, Jeff Wilson, excuse me. So they have, I you know, a couple of other players. They have a couple of draft picks. I haven't really came to fruition, unfortunately. But uh, be curious to see what they do with Debo. Maybe they kind of change up his scheme. Maybe they kind of put up, you know, different. They don't put him in the backfield so often because he was just getting the crap beat out of him. Uh, you know, that's going to happen when you're a wide receiver playing running back. And now I can hear all these things on Twitter about. Why aren't the Seahawks doing the same with DK Metcalf? It's like, well, it's for a very simple reason. Because now Debo doesn't want to be a part of that offense. Because wide receivers are not running backs, ladies and gentlemen. They're wide receivers. They run routes and catch balls. They don't go in the backfield and run the football. It's just very simple. 
This is going to be a problem with, with the 49ers coming up to see how they're going to fill that void, if they're going to continue to use that. It was a very effective thing last year, but it kind of felt like they were leaning on that because Jimmy Garoppolo was either really good or just kind of bleh, like tapioca pudding. This wasn't exactly the greatest thing in the world. I'm not a fan of tapioca, but that's not the point here. Dustin Johnson has left the PGA Tour for the LIV Tour. The LIV Tour is a new thing coming out right now. I saw it on Bleacher Report this morning that also they signed Phil Mickelson. And I hope you can, you know, get back some of that money you earned, Phil, from all that sports betting. You know, you moron. But that's a whole different case for a whole different day. So with Dustin Johnson leaving the PGA, it's kind of, it's pretty much a big deal. I don't know a whole lot when it comes down to the golfing world, but I know that he is one of the top names on their tour right now. The LIV Tour also offered Tiger Woods a nine-figure uh, deal to join. He declined it. I don't blame him because, uh, from my understanding, the LIV is a golfing group that is funded and backed by a Saudi Arabian group. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if he doesn't like the organization that's backing it. I don't know if it's, you know, based upon the people as part of that organization. That probably would be my guess because of how much money is made in golf and how much money is revolved around golf. So it's kind of curious to see. And then finally, Aaron Donald gets his paycheck. I thought Aaron Donald was going to hang him up. I didn't see a reason for him to come back. I already have said he is the best defensive player I've ever seen in my life. Yes, that includes Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher, Ed Reed, Richard Seymour. list goes on. He's just the most physically imposing defensive player I've ever put eyes on. That's my own personal opinion. I'd uh, be curious to see down in the comment section uh, if you guys have anything other that you guys feel about when it comes to the best defensive player of our generation. And when I say generation, for me, it's been 30 years. You know, and I've watched a lot of good players, but there's not, there's not been a single player that dominated the game like Aaron Donald can and has done for the last, I believe, 12 years. So, congrats to Aaron Donald. He is $65 million guaranteed over the next two seasons. He does have a $30 fully million, or $30 million fully guaranteed option for the third year if he chooses to, to come back. But I don't believe he'll... I think he's going to have two more runs at this, see if he can get back to a Super Bowl. If not, he's going to walk out into the sunset and be a glorious hero. And everybody from St. Louis to L.A. will have a whole lot of heaping praise and thank yous for him. The point, they should put a parade out for him as far as I'm really considered. And with that being said, that's the Around the World section for this week. And then we have a lengthy section on the Mariners. There's been a lot going on. So with that being said, let's just hop right into it. The Mariners have won seven of their last 10 games. This has been a very, very promising stretch for the, for the Seattle Mariners. They have been hitting the ball much more consistently, or much more consistently. That's not great English, but whatever. But, but in general, what's happening is we're getting timely hitting from people that need to hit the baseball when it's got to happen. Unfortunately, one guy who is still struggling mightily is Jesse Winker. I don't know what's going on with Jesse Winker. I uh, posted on the previous podcast that he was having some kind of a shoulder discomfort or a shoulder issue, but yet he hasn't been shut down for any kind of a IL stint, which is kind of confusing to me in general because of the value and importance of Jesse Winker. And if we're going to actually make a playoff run with this current team and how it's set up before the, the trade deadline comes in July, I do believe, yeah, third week of July, that we need Jesse Winker to show up and hit the ball like he did in Cincinnati 
I know a lot of people are making comments about, oh, well, it's because he's in Seattle and the ballpark plays differently and yada, yada, yada. Well, the ballparks between Cincinnati and Seattle really aren't that big of a difference whatsoever. Um, when it comes to dimensions of the ballpark, the only thing that's really different is the fact that uh, Great American Ballpark actually has a longer or a, a, a what's, what's what I'm looking for? It has a deeper field uh, to right field. The, the wall is longer. It's It takes a longer projected ball than at Safeco. Safeco, if I remember correctly, is 322 to right field. Great American Ballpark is like 327, 328-ish. So, I mean, six feet does matter, especially when you're hitting the baseball that far, you know. Sometimes that's, you know, a foot or two can be the deciding factor between a home run, a pop-out, a double, or whatever else happens, a sack fly. George Kirby, I believe, could be the biggest part of this stretch for the Mariners for the rest of this season. Not Robbie Ray, George Kirby. Because George Kirby is showing the composure so well far beyond his years at such a young age for being this for being a kid essentially inside of the leagues. You know, first year inside of the league, comes out of Elon, just like Logan Gilbert, has a very similar path with how he pitches. Very, very pointed, very uh, strategic. He doesn't try and dance around the strike zone. He's going to pin the balls around inside the certain corners and try and find his spots, which is interesting in general because a lot of rookies in general these days are, you know, high velo, blow it past you, and hope that they can, you know, if they hide it, if they make a mistake, they can blow it past you or curve it around you or try and make you confused. George Kirby doesn't worry about that. He's got a he's got a plus plus fastball. He's got four plus off speed pitches. He's locating it well. That slider has been diabolically disgusting. I love that slider. I think that's his, probably his best pitch. Yeah, there's a lot of run on that four seam fastball. It's almost got a two seam run to it. But man, that slider really makes it a punch, which is which is why I kind of com, uh, compare him to Logan Gilbert in a sense because Logan's really been a two pitch guy. I'm gonna get into Logan here in a few minutes. But when you have a guy like Kirby who comes up with that kind of composure in Baltimore, in Boston, in New York City, he's been to a lot of the, you know, not so much for Baltimore, and he made Baltimore, especially Cedric Mullins, spin like a top, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, we call that a sword via Rob Friedman, the, the pitching ninja. The, he, what he's doing right now is he's literally just picking his spots. He's saying, hit it. And if you can hit it, Cool. It's going to be a pop out. It's going to be soft or weak contact. He does. He he has allowed a few home runs this season, uh, but that's kind of weird because what I've seen in the article from Jeff Passan when I talked about in the podcast before last in episode nine was juiced ball versus non-juiced ball. Jeff Passan wrote an article stating that the MLB was indeed mixing the kind of balls, and I mean the kind of balls. It's that it's the core integrity. Some balls have a different core than others for the uh, composite or a softer inner core so the the composite balls are launching versus the softer balls are kind of you know they don't take it as well you know they don't have as much of an exit velo jump when they come off of the the bat in general so that's kind of something i've been paying uh, paying attention to george kirby was named by bleacher report the 10th best prospect in baseball this morning uh that does include that does include adley rutschman grayson rodriguez uh, Bobby Wett, I still believe, is on that list. So, being in the fact that he's inside the, the, the top 10, I saw Noel V was, was 14, 
which is promising because Baseball America, for some godforsaken reason, has put him down to like 53 when he was like 17 to begin the season. And his season hasn't been great. I covered that in the last episode on State of the Farm section. But it hasn't been that bad to where he, you know, you know drops 40-plus places. This guy has all of the ability in the world to be a very Jose Ramirez kind of impact bat. Not so much a switch hitting capability, but thump. He's got good contact, quality speed. He's building and filling into his frame. Uh, besides for that, I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot on Noel V, unfortunately, this year because he's been in high A. Uh, so I'll be curious to see when he gets the call to double A. I, I think maybe if he can pull you know, pull out his season a little bit better towards the end of the year, we could see that happening. But for the time being, he'll probably stay in high A ball. Pardon the page turn. And uh, man, good vibes only, ladies and gentlemen. It's good vibes only right now. Everybody's on the Eugenio Suarez train. This guy's hot. This guy is on a clutch streak right now. The Mariners have desperately, desperately, desperately needed a Eugenio Suarez to step in and be an absolute menace when it comes to, to the plate. He's doing it right now with a 231 batting average, 11 dingers, 32 ribbies, slugging over 800, or excuse me, OPSing over, eight, over 800. For those who don't know, OPS is on base percentage plus slugging. Tanner Trammell. Man, what a nice start. You know, he struggled so mightily last year. He had that one shining moment in Minnesota with a nice long home run, which is honestly, unfortunately, the only real big thing he did last year for us in general. But he's not pulling the ball this year. He's using, uh, he's hitting the ball to all fields, which is what Scott has been praising and preaching and hoping that he would do, keeping his fingers crossed. He's been doing it well so far. Hopefully he's inside the lineup tonight versus Verlander because the last time he, I was assuming he would because the last time he played Verlander at home he took him deep. Man, it's, I'm gonna touch into that at the end at the end of the podcast. So what I hope for for today's ball game after what we saw last game versus Justin Verlander. Ty France and his value to this team is absolutely like it's priceless. I think that's the best word to uh, best word to use is just priceless. The guy showing up on a daily basis, being a top 15 player in all of baseball in both FWAR and VWAR, which is wins above replacement in both two different stats. One that is based upon what he has done and what he is going to do for the rest of the year. <coughs> Excuse me. JP Crawford has come back down to earth like I, like I touched on in the previous podcast. He's been just consistently sliding recently. His last 30 games, he's hitting 227. So clearly he's, he's in a slump. But he's still hitting 287 with an 815 OPS. So that means he's still hitting the ball well. He's still making quality contact. His glove is getting a lot more consistent or much more consistent at, at shortstop. He's been at, he was having some weird issues to begin this year. It was like he was substituting his quality of fielding for, for pull power. And Scott Service was like, look, the home runs are great for, for, for J.P. Crawford. Like, obviously, our offense has been struggling and whatnot this year. But in general, when it comes down to J.P. Crawford, we need quality contact and a quality glove. Let everybody else fill in the rest. I hope he can continue to, uh, to figure it out. He's been hitting the ball a little bit better the last few games. So, I mean, man, J.P. Crawford, we need you to step up, start hitting the ball more to left field, up the middle like you were last year. You're much, much, much more of a dangerous hitter when you do that in general versus when you use this pull thing because then the defense are going to start shifting you more. You're going to have to run into more problems when it comes into balls that should have been hit for a single or now an out, yada, yada, yada. 
Diego Castillo at the beginning of the season was such a frustrating moment and a frustrating player because when we traded for him last year for JT Charchargois, like this is a very pivotal thing. And there's also another player, I believe it was Austin Slater, if I remember correctly. We needed him to come in and be a dominant, dominant, dominant closing kind of a uh, pitcher, kind of give us that, you know, another weapon in, in, in the closet for a better lack, of, better lack of an analogy, a feather in the old cap. Start the season, he was rough. He was a 7.85 ERA. He didn't have his usual strut to him. He wasn't very confident. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it's just been uh, a struggling thing for Castillo, to say the least. And then all of a sudden, something switched. And it all started in the New York series when he struck out Starling Marte and Pete Alonso with the bases loaded to get us that series win that we had to have against the Mets. The Mets are continuing to play red-hot baseball. That was really the moment that the kickstep the Mariners, kickstart of the Mariners to push forward into that new prevalent time that we're in right now with winning seven of ten. You know, we're winning. We won three straight series. We had to have this right now. We were eight games under 500. Now we're five. This is a massive, massive moment right now. We had to get this done. Glad to see Castillo in his last seven games, the two, three, five ERA. Last three outings has yet to learn and earn allowed and earned run. That's a positive thing to see in general because we need to see consistent Castillo. Because when we get that shell in, the second I love the column because his pitches just they look like like a thousand RPM frisbee. He throws it so hard with so much movement and so much tail and spin rate. The ball just goes crazy, and if he can control it, he is such a powerful weapon in that bullpen to help out Seawald, help Munoz. Help Romo. Romo looked finally fantastic last night because holy Toledo. He's been getting lit up like a firecracker the last couple outings. It's been painful. When you throw 85 miles an hour, you got to have great movement, consistent control, location, or else it's going to be batting practice, which is you know what I talked about with Marco Gonzalez in previous podcasts. When you throw at a lower velo, and if you can't locate it where you want it to, Bad things are going to happen to you. And there's nothing really more you can do about it, unfortunately. Just the way the old cookie crumbles, for better lack of a saying. But, I mean, with that being said, Ryan Barucki came over from Toronto the last four days. Tall lefty, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. From what I heard from Scott Service, they're trying to minimize the pressure on Anthony, Anthony Misevich. Excuse me. Because right now, been, he's been too many high pivotal situations against lefties like Rafael Devers and stuff like that, players of, of that caliber. And he's just not that kind of a player. He's not. He's never been. He never was beforehand. He isn't going to be for, for, for the future. He's just kind of a middle tier, middle, you know, of the road, kind of a lefty pitcher. And in order for this bullpen to take the next step, we have to have a quality lefty, take that lefty-lefty matchup off of the hands of Seawald. Uh, second rider who's obviously in AAA, Castillo, Munoz, Romo, the list goes on. So I'll be curious to see what happens with him. He does have a good fastball. He's got a decent pitch mix up. The problem was just control. The Mariners have a good knack and a good uh, record, run record of, or track record, excuse me, of taking pitchers like Seawall, second rider, Sadler, and remaking them. So hopefully maybe they can do this with Ryan. Um, we kind of have this. I'll be looking forward to see if he's back in the ball game today versus like a Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, that man's on an absolute tear right now. He has the second highest WRC in all of baseball behind Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has a 200 WRC, which is just ungodly. 
and Jordan Alvarez is 196. There was a feisty moment last night in the ball game for most of you who saw this. Um, it's a moment I've been waiting for for a long time, a long time running. I want, I love to see flare-ups in baseball. When I see flare-ups, I want benches clear. I'm not asking for fights because then players are going to get suspended and then lineups are going to get messed with and yada, yada, yada. But what I like to see is Scott Service standing up for his players and not taking no crap from nobody. No, 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 no guff. No, no nonsense. Houston, I don't, I've never liked you. I'm never going to like you. I, I actually appreciated you back in the days when you were in the National League because it's where you deserve to be, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Scott, you have re-ingratiated yourself with this fan base. And why, why I say that is for a specific reason. Because this fan base enjoys passionate, fiery managers obviously main case <clears throat> or main example sweet lou Pinella. oh sweet lou man kicking throwing bases you know i want to call it a temper tantrum but he, he was he was fiery and we all remember you know throwing bases getting purple in the, in the umpire's face and yeah that was the old you know era of baseball but we kind of need a little bit more old school baseball in my personal opinion because these umpires are a joke. And I don't care who, what umpire we get, if it's CJ Hernandez or, you know, all, you know, Angel Hernandez, excuse me, or CJ Beathard or whatever this, you know, it's, they're all terrible. I have literally seen one umpire all season that had a scorecard for his game over 98%. One of them. We went, the last game we, we played in Texas. 91%. They say there was an average, an estimated, and this is a very complex al algorithm, which I don't have the time to get into in this podcast today. 2.4 runs extra allowed or created for Texas based upon the strike and ball calls of the umpire in that game. It's This is the kind of a problem. This is the problem of why we're going to see robo-umps come into baseball very quickly because the umpires are feeling pressured. It's obvious. They're making more and more mistakes. They're having less and less of, of a, uh, I don't know what's what I'm looking for, a leash or a temper or an allowance or a, like, you know, they don't they don't have the patience anymore. I think that's where they don't have the patience with, with, with players like Julio dragging his bat on the ground, which obviously is provoking, you know, or uh, Suarez chucking his bat on, or his helmet on the ground, which has been allowed for years and now that's a fine. You know, baseball, you make more money than God. You and NFL make so much money. You have no reason to be finding players for emotional outbursts. It's a game. These are professional athletes. They're entertainers. There's 25, 30, 40,000 people in the stands. They are allowed to express emotion. It's what's bringing back the young fans and the next generation of baseball fans to our sport is emotion. Like what happens with football. And they can do celebrations, but not only their celebrations can be a certain allowance because of, oh, it's not a good look for, for the league. But yet, all these kids and these little TikTok dances and Facebook reels are doing dances from professional athletes. Our umpires in all sports, primarily baseball today, you need to get over yourself. Look yourself in the mirror, get over your, your ego, get over your little mantra, and do your dang job. Do your dang job. Just do it. Because people are sick and tired of every day watching videos about why umpires are taking things in, into their own hands. 
I touched on the Madison Bumgarner situation, and now you're seeing these umpires like just glance at these guys. Just don't even want to look look at their hands because they can't afford to have another Madison Bumgarner incident because it's not good for the entire umpire, you know, uh, group or the umpire association, whatever whatever they're they're called. Yeah, so if that's the case, and don't put yourself in a situation to do that. It's pretty simple. Do your job. You get paid a handsome amount of money. You travel the entire country. You go to 32 ballparks average a season. Get over yourself. Enjoy your fat paychecks. Do your job. That's my rant for that today. Robbie Ray, I think he needs a 10-day IL. I really think he does. He's mentally fractured right now. He's questioning himself. He's trying to, he's trying to change his facial hair. I don't, maybe he needs to go on stirrups like Jesse Winker. I don't know. But he is a absolute mess. He's lost in his own demon-based closet. He's filled with skeletons all around him, for better lack of an analogy. The man has no idea what's up, down, left, right, east, west. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand why Robbie Ray was so productive last year. He found something specifically in Toronto but they can't translate it to the Mariners after they're, pay after they're paying him, you know, $110 million for three years. I believe it's for a five-year deal with a three-year deal after an opt-out after three years if he chooses to opt-out or if, if the club wants to. It's a, it's a club option, not a player option, which is a big deal. Robbie, please, for the sake of the Trident, the Soto Mojo, the beautiful Kill jerseys, and the 35,000, 40,000 fans have been waiting for you all through the offseason and all the crap we had to deal with figure it out we don't care about the grunting we don't care about the tight pants we want you to show up and do your dang job that's all we ask of you figure it out Robbie you're our ace you are the horse you are the head the head chemist in the lab we you have a role do your job this is what I'm talking about with the umpires Robbie do your job it's not rocket science, Robbie. Figure it out, or we're going to put you down for, for 10 days, and we're going to bring up some kid to show you how you're supposed to be pissed. Like I touched, like touched on with, with Kirby and Logan. These kids are outpitching you, Robbie. They're two young kids, and I know they've got good mindsets to them, but you were supposed to come in and be the ace. The one ace. The ace of spades. The ace of hearts. The clubs. The diamonds. Whatever you, you want to call it. Figure it out, Robbie, because... The, we are, you, the future of our season is hanging in your balance. And right now, it's all out of whack. And it's throwing us down for a corkscrew. And we're doing our dangness to just make, make ourselves keep our head above water. While you keep putting water inside the boat, Robbie. Let's go, buddy. Seriously. Okay, so enough with that. I, I got my rants out. You know, some people are asking me to do some more rants. There you, there you go. A couple last things we're going to touch on. And then we're out of here. The Mariners Twitter page has formally announced that Mitch Hanger will return to the Mariners lineup before the All-Star break in July. This is a massive, massive, massive deal right now because this is a shot in the arm. We need the veteran presence. There's been a lot of pressure on J.P. Crawford to keep this clubhouse stable. Eugenio Suarez has been a huge part of this. Jesse Winker is doing his best even though he's still not performing. We got to get Mitch back. Thank you, Mitch, for all your hard work, all your rehab, your mindset, for you keeping in touch on on IG. For you, does so you he does a fantastic job with everybody on IG, with keeping them, making sure, hey, I'm here. Even though I know I'm not there, I'm here. I'm watching you. I'm I'm here for you guys. 
Let's ride this ship out. Let's go. Let's let's saddle, let's saddle the horses and let's start riding. And that's what's got to happen. Eric Swanson has pushed his rehab set, uh, his time back with, with the club. Initially, the club announced a couple days ago they anticipate him to be back for the series in Houston. That's not going to happen. Uh, he'll be back for the next series. He pushed it back one more outing just due to some shoulder uh, shoulder soreness, or excuse me, shoulder. Uh, yeah, shoulder soreness, you know, it's probably the same word as, you know, tired, sh you know, tired shoulder. You know, I know people hear soreness and they think that's a little more of a scary thing. Maybe I should just say shut, I'd be having a, a tired shoulder if I could actually talk today. But, you know, that's what happens. Anyways, Ken Giles continues to rehab in AAA. Love, love, love to see this. We need to have a young, uh, healthy, fully rejuvenated, you know, pissed off Ken Giles. And for a better lack of a term, because when Ken Giles comes in and he's throwing 99 miles an hour with that wipeout knuckle curve and that slider, it is a devastating, devastating pitch and a great arm, a veteran arm in our bullpen. Takes some more pressure off of Seawald, off, uh, off of Romo, Munoz, Castillo, all those guys. Jared Kelnick continues to hit the ball in AAA. He currently has an 11-game hitting streak. I will be updating that on a daily basis on my Twitter PNW Caps Professor. Uh, please do subscribe or a link on there if you want to follow all of my updates and my tweets throughout the games. And we finish up with the pitching matchup tonight. Chris Flexen versus Justin Verlander Part 3. I hope, hope, hope that Taylor Trammell, Ty France, and J-Rod, Cal Raleigh was swinging a hot stick. I didn't get into Cal this, this podcast. I will be getting a deep dive into Cal Raleigh the last 30 games. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's today's podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. If you like, if you enjoyed the, the content, if you like the podcast, if you like the overall flow, if you have any comments, suggestions, anything, please put it down in the comment section below. Subscribe and give me a rating if you like this. And until next time, it's simple. And I always say it, ladies and gentlemen, see us rise.